That's right. The evil inclination. He's not going to let us get away with this. Can everybody hear me? Good, good, good. Wonderful. Okay, so we started. We'll start once all over again. Uh, we usually start every new lesson with a brief, very brief review of what we learned last week so that anybody that missed last week's lesson can uh, be on board. All right. So last week we learned, as I say in Hebrew, we learned an important thing was called people with charm. That's what we called last week's lesson. We learned how our prayers and our requests are received. And the Rabbi Nachman taught us in the beginning of Torah Aleph, the first Torah, that learning Torah, by the way, when I say Torah Aleph, the first Torah, uh, in Breslover jargon, uh, Rabbi Nachman's Torah 1, Torah 2, Torah 3, it it corresponds to what you say in English, Discourse 1, Discourse 2, and Discourse 3. But since what is a, is a Torah, it's a, it's a knowledge that he received from what we call these Torahs, because it's not just a discourse. It's not just some secular discourse on, on uh, physics or uh, psychology. No, it's Rabbi Nachman, and uh, that's what we call him, called the flowing river source of uh, wisdom. As we explained last week, he's one of the five souls of Moses that brought down special wisdom. It was Moses, Rabbi Shimon Bar-Yochai, and the Arizal, Rabbi Yosef Lur Ashkenazi, and then the Baal Shem Tov, and then finally Rabbi Nachman. Rabbi Nachman says, my fire will burn until Mashiach, which means Rabbi Nachman brings down the wisdom of Emunah that we need so much, uh, because when everyone are being bombarded right and left, and the evil inclination will let you do anything but not teach Emuna. If I give a discourse on deep time, but you see, every, <laughs> it's par for the course to start a lesson like this and have technical technical difficulties. But Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem, Rabbi Nachman used to have an expression It's saying in Yiddish, Pachmir, Pachdir, Pachmir, Pachdir, over the list of Pach's mind. He'd say to the Yetzirah, you smack me, I smack you. You smack me, you smack you, but I'm going to throw the last punch. Knock out, but that's it. This is what Rabbi Nachman used to say to the Yetzirah. Okay, that's exactly Svetlana. That's it, Pachmir, Pachdir. Uh, so we learned that learning Torah adds charm to a person, and it gives charm to a person's prayers and a person's requests, and that way Hashem readily requests them, readily accepts them. Now imagine this. You could understand what we learned last week when uh, someone asks you for something, okay? One of your children or a good friend, and who do you listen to? Whose request do you answer? Uh, you need one of two preconditions. Either the person that asks you has charm, special charm, you know, a, a, a loving spouse or a loving child, or that the request has charm and uh, your your son or your daughter says, uh, Daddy, I need to, to borrow $20. What do you need to borrow $20 for? They say, I can't tell. It's a secret. Now, what do you need for Father's Day? <laughs> they want to buy the toy for you. They want to give, give you a present. That's what they want. Okay, so you're, you're charmed. Even it, it, It's a charming request. You can't say no to a charming request. So that way, now if a person is both charming and his or her request is charming, it's going to be accepted. And certainly if that prayer is a prayer for spiritual gain, the Almighty be happy to accept it. Because what spiritual prayer for spiritual gain is you're asking Almighty, okay, Hashem, Father in heaven, bring me closer to you. What father is not going to bring you closer to you? That that's certainly Hashem will. All right. We also learned last week that Tfilot is praise of Hashem and Bakashot is their personal request. Rabbi Nachman says that the Tfilot and the Bakashot 
they get charmed. That a person's praise of Hashem and a person's personal request. Well, one might think it's understandable that some we request, we request for a good income, we request for good health, we request for a soulmate, request for children, request for a nice place to live, uh, whatever we need, whatever we need. We understand that they needs to be charming requests. The requests have to be charming. We need to be charming. We need to be using that to serve Hashem. That puts gives us charm. And certainly we learn Torah. The Torah imparts charm on us. Okay, but what, what does it need? If someone wants to praise Hashem, what does the request need to be charming? Okay, uh, we can understand also by ourselves, using ourselves as an example. Suppose someone comes up to someone that you don't especially like, or someone you don't believe in, you don't think that they're exactly sincere, and they start saying all these nice things about you. It doesn't go in your heart. What are they doing? What are they trying? What do they want something from me? What are they trying to gain? And uh, you don't you don't really believe it. So when a person is not engaged in Torah and not especially observant of the commandments of Torah, I mean, a Jewish doesn't deserve the commandments of Torah. And if he's no, I doesn't deserve this. This he's not. He's pretty slipshod on the Noahide commandments. Okay, how does he expect to have charm? And is in praise. He prays of Shem. You know, blessed are you, God. Blessed are you, God. Shem says, "Who are you kidding? Who are you kidding? What do you want from me? <laughs> Who are you kidding?" All right, so we need, that's why those prayers won't be heard. So all the prayers, the prayers, both the praise of Hashem and our personal request, they have to have charm. And that is why we need to walk in the path of Torah. And if we remember, we look in the beginning, that Rabbi Nachman bases this whole first discourse, whole first Torah, on the first passage in Psalm 119, when King David tells us, right, that we have to walk in the path of Torah. Okay, so with Hashem's loving grace, we now continue on. And Rabbi Nachman teaches us a fundamental principle in Breslover thought. Not only a fundamental principle in Breslover thought, it is a principle for life. And we're not going to fly through these things. The ancient ones that fly through these things, I take word by word because every word is nuclear power. It's atomic power. Rabbi Nachman doesn't waste a single word. And we'll soon see him. Okay, so if we read in next the next portion of Lukate Murano, start in the Hebrew and then translate it. And once again, I'm responsible for the translations. These are my translations, not taken from anyone else. Uh, okay. Okay. Okay, first we'll translate that whole idea, then we'll take it apart. Okay. Rabbi Nachman says, the Israelite person must always look at the inherent wisdom within everything and connect to the wisdom and the inherent wisdom, two types of things, wisdom and inherent wisdom, that there is in everything, in order that the inherent wisdom in everything should enlighten him or her and bring them close to Hashem by means of that particular creation, that particular thing. Okay, so what's Rabbi Nachman telling us? He tells us the big thing that, that every person, every creation, every rock, every tree, every leaf, every bird, every animal, everything you see, even a man-made creation like a house or a car, everything is created with inherent wisdom. We're going to assume that what that inherent wisdom. Rabbi Nachman calls that sechel. Some people call this intellect. Uh, intellect is a, it's a Hebrew Ben Yehuda translation. Ben Yehuda translation is like you say in English, a Webster translation. 
It's a dictionary translation, but it's not exactly what Rabbi Nachman means, and we'll see. Okay, so you can't you can't make Google translations of Rabbi Nachman's teaching because you won't understand anything. So now I'm going to break this thing down. Okay, Rabbi Nachman says Aisha Yisraeli. When he say that a person, Aish or a Yehudi, that a Jew or a person or whatever he's talking about, but he says an Israelite person. What does Rabbi Nachman mean by an Israelite person? Okay, if we talk that an Israelite person, an Israelite person connects is a person that is connected to the Torah of Israel. That's what gives him the title Israel. Because otherwise, you could say Yehudi, you could say Jew, could say something else, but. It's, is the Israelite person means that he's connected to the Torah of Israel. And the, there's an indication. Rabbi Nachman writes, Aish, you could say Aish Israeli without the hey, without the the. There's a hey and the yud before the word Israel. The hey and the yud are the first two letters of Shem's name. Okay. So it's, it's Israel walking in the way of Hashem. A person who is walking in the way of Hashem, connecting himself to the Torah of Israel. And this is what Rabbi Nachman told us in the first paragraph. Ha'ish ha'isleili. So it's not just some, that guy says, all right, uh, yeah, I'm Jewish. I eat bagels and locks on Sunday. Rabbi's not, Rabbi Nachman's not talking about somebody that eats bagels and locks or somebody that eats corned beef or that uh, somebody that sings Havanagila. He's talking about someone that is connected to Torah and connected to wisdom. All right, now, v'tzarich tamid. All right, Rabbi says, always, he must Look, he must observe the inherent wisdom. Look for the inherent wisdom in everything. When I always, if somebody's saying, did you say every time you take a, a lesson in life? And you say, a person must maintain good health. You don't have to say always. A person must always maintain good health because it's a no-brainer that for a lesson in life, it's got to be always. So why does Rebbe Nachman, that he doesn't waste a single word? Rebbe Nachman is so economical word, with words. Often Rebbe Natan is a little bit different. We see in Rebbe Natan's uh, explanations of Rebbe Nachman's writing, we see in Likutei Alachot, where he explains Rebbe Nachman's Torah, is Rebbe Natan is very extensive. And he repeats things three times, four times, one time this way, one time that way, not Rebbe Nachman. Rebbe Nachman is very staccato. He writes like a like the old days when when they had telegrams. Maybe you don't remember. Eric John remembers <laughs> when we were in university. That had a telegram and you paid so much money for ten words, and and if you had an eleventh word, it cost you a lot much more. This is way before cell phones and way before this when we were students in university back back when. Okay, Rebbe Nachman. That's how economical he is with words. So why does he say that a person must always? Always look for the inherent wisdom within everything. There is a big secret. I explained last week that we could take every word of what Rebbe Nachman says and go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. It's got layers and layers and layers and layers. We said it's also a kaleidoscope that a person on a lower physical, a lower spiritual rung can understand on his level and higher and higher and higher. The more a person is abreast in Torah learning, or in spirituality, the more, the more deeper he can know. If someone knows is that deep into Kabbalah, he sees things in, in uh, Rebbe Nachman's writings that we don't. But Rebbe Nachman's telling us that tamid, the word tamid is a big secret in Kabbalah. The words, it, it, it indicates the word tamid, which always, it indicates the inner dimension, not the outer dimension. Why? If we take the word lev, 
The word lev in Hebrew is lamed bit. Now, the outer dimension are the letters lamed and bit. But if we would write them out, you write the letter lamed, lamed mem dalid. And you write the letter bet, bet yud taf. So if we drop the apparent letters, the outside letters, uh, which are the bet, uh, with the, uh, the bet and the lamed, the comprise lev, we get the inner letters. The inner letters of the heart are tamid, always, which means that a person must always be connected to the inner dimension. This is what Rabbi Nachman is telling us. That's always. In other words, don't walk around and just looking and you see a building and you see, you see bricks. Okay, person one person sees bricks and someone else says, oh, that's a, that, that, that's some, a, a great yeshiva where they learn so much Torah there. Or someone sees uh, bricks and someone says, well, that's a hospital for cancer research. So yeah, the outside is bricks. You see a building with bricks. But the inner dimension is what are they doing inside that building? And this is what Rabbi Nachman is telling us. When we look at a creation, we look at something, we don't look at the outer body. And that's why we explained two weeks ago in Amuna Hour that the only way that people can love one another, there's a Torah command, you love your neighbors yourself. That's people, if they look at the outside dimension, well, they have prejudices, and this one doesn't like this color, and this one doesn't like this nationality, and this one doesn't like this religion, this one doesn't like this. But when we look at the inner dimension, as we'll soon learn in a moment, we all have a divine spark of godliness. That's the difference between a live person and a dead person. Our divine life force is a divine part of the Almighty. So when you look at a person's inner dimension, wow, and you can see a person's inner dimension, you automatically connect with that person because the Almighty gives each creation, as Rabbi Nachman is teaching us, his, his or her own inherent wisdom that Almighty connect each one with their own individual inherent wisdom because the Almighty doesn't do things for, for, for no purpose. If he goes to the trouble of making a creation, it means that the world, the universe cannot exist without that creation. So here's something for this Torah. We learn this in a person's self-esteem. How can a person have a low self-esteem? Now, the people think that high self-esteem is to be a macho man, to go around flaunting or a woman did flaunting or figure a guy flaunting his six-pack abs or his 22-inch biceps. That's not self-esteem. Self-esteem means that you know that the Almighty loves you, means you know that you have an important job to do in this world, that means you can't waste your life doing inconsequential things. And this is what my Rabbi Nachman is telling us. Don't focus on the outer dimension. Focus on the inner dimension. To me, this is the inner dimension of the heart. That the heart, when we have, have the heart, we have to have a, a feeling heart. Our hearts have to be focused on the inner dimension because the heart, as we learned that the, our brain is the upper level, it houses the upper level in the shama, the upper level of the soul, the heart, the intermediate level. And the down in the, in the, in the kidneys, we have the lower level. Kidneys and liver, the liver, the lower level. Okay. So Rabbi Nachman wants us to observe the inherent wisdom within everything and that way to connect us. So that's why that to, to do that, we have to be Israelites. We have to be connected to the Torah of Israel and connect ourselves to know that the Torah of Israel is truth. And we have to do this on the innermost dimension, not look at the outside dimension. Okay. And now Rabbi Nachman says, lehistakel. What is the difference between lirot and lehistakel? Lirot 
in Hebrew means to see. Rabbi Nachman says, we, we've got we to look, see. No, Rabbi says we have to look. The difference between looking and seeing is the difference between hearing and listening. Hearing, someone hears automatically. You hear all types of ambient noise, all types of background noise. But when you're listening, you're focused. Person opens eyes, he sees, he sees. But when he looks, he looks, it means that he's focused. His, his, his sight is concentrated. He's looking for something. So Rabbi Nachman is telling us that we have to focus and look for that particular inherent wisdom. And that inherent wisdom, what's the inherent wisdom? Rabbi Nachman explains to us that the inherent wisdom, once again, we learned this two words ago in Tamid, it's the inner dimension. The inherent wisdom is the inner dimension. And even more so, the inherent wisdom is, in other words, what's that inherent wisdom within a person? That's the soul. That is the soul. That is the life spark, the light of the Almighty that is within every human. Ah, that way, you can't hate another human. You just cannot. You can dislike another person's actions or dislike what a person is doing with his life or his life that they're not living according to the, to the Torah's commandments. And so they're messing up, but they're not living according to the Noahide commandments. You turn on the moon now, we're talking about the Noahide commandments. Oh, whoa, whoa. if somebody doesn't pay attention to Noahide commandments, there's chaos in the world. Chaos in the world. You can't have a, a decent society, a decent world, and have murder and have adultery and, and have stealing and, and have uh, idol worship, but you just can't have that. So we see that a person has to be connected to that wisdom that wisdom is the divine spark. That's the inherent wisdom. And that's when each of us, because every one of us has the Almighty's DNA, that's the soul. But now you have the Almighty's DNA. The Almighty does something we can learn. You learn this by genetics. When you learn genetics, this is the inherent wisdom. I'm sitting and learning about genetics. I'm learning about a chromosome map. Okay, what's a chromosome map? What's that mean to me? All right, it means that every single person has a soul. That's their DNA. But they have their individual spiritual chromosome map. The Almighty made their spiritual chromosomes in a certain order so that they have certain talents and certain aptitudes, and they're able to accomplish their mission on earth. Now, when you take this unbelievable divine wisdom and you use it for in kinds of dancing in a discotheque or, or racing cars or doing something that or surfing on the web. Another bigger time, sitting in a chat room, sitting in front of a screen uh, or walking in the street, looking at uh, YouTube movies and person has kyphosis because he's not looking where he's going to look it down as, as, as it says cell phone. No, that's a waste of life, a waste of divine wisdom. It's like a person inherits trillions of dollars and just waste it right and left. What, what, what do you do with your, with your money, my brother? What do you do with my money, sister? I don't know. I don't know. Just spending, spending. This is what people are doing at time. How valuable is one moment of time? And people are, this is the greats are great too. Rebbe Nachman of left lived until he was 38 years old. The Holy Arizal, he was 38 years old. The Holy Arizal, he brought down the light of Kabbalah to the world. Rebbe Nachman brought down the light of Amunah to the world. And they only lived till 38 years old, both of them. And it's crazy what they did with every single moment. Not only that, Rabbi Nachman said about himself, if there is one day in life 
where I cannot get closer to the Almighty, that day is not worth living, not worth being here. And when Satan finally, according to nature, he died of tuberculosis. Okay, but it wasn't that, that that's not the natural reason. According to Breast we know Rabbi Nachman went so high, he couldn't go any farther in a human body. So, boom, he checked out. He checked out. He just couldn't go any farther. He went, and it's not only Rabbi Nachman, Rabbi Michal is Lachever, the Melissa Rebbe's great great grandfather, one of his great grandfathers, other great grandfather of the Baal Shem Tov, uh, had the same thing. He was so high on Shabbat in the afternoon at Sudash Lishit, the third meal. And he was saying he was just clinging to Hashem so much his body couldn't stand it. He went and he died right in the middle of a of a, a shalashudas tish. This is Rebbe Chazal This is the, the big tzaddikim. They don't waste a moment. They don't waste a moment. That's how they could accomplish so much. How much monumental accomplishments Maimonides accomplished. So Rebbe Nachman is telling us. Rebbe Nachman is telling us that we have this priceless asset in life. People look at for money. Think of the inherent wisdom that Hashem gave you. Most people don't even look at themselves. Say, who are you? Oh, I'm, I'm here. I, I learn in the University of Southern California, or I work for IBM, or I do this. Or, no, that's, who are you? Who are you? What makes you tick? What's your job on earth? What, what, what's your, your, your inside, not your outside, not what you do to make a living, or you ride the bus, or you ride the train, or you ride a Mercedes. No, it's the inside. People do not look at their own souls. And that's why they're disconnected with Hashem, because they don't realize that their souls are part of Hashem. So Hashem has this within the soul, the spiritual chromosome map that gives every one of us our own individual talents and aptitudes is awesome. Now, the fact that every one of us has this individual spiritual chromosome map means that we learn from every single person. Some guy's professor in university, he's got a PhD, he thinks he's big intelligent, he's got a 136 IQ, he doesn't have to listen to the bus driver, he doesn't have to the cab driver. Next time you get in a cab, and the cab driver's talking, listen to what he's saying. So Rabbi Nachman is telling us, listen, look at, look at the, it, it, Rabbi Nachman will, will see this, will elaborate on this principle much later when we get to Torah 54. Rabbi Nachman says, that everything that happens in our life, every stimuli, every action, every person we meet, everything that goes on, everything we see in the street, everything we see, it's all Hashem talking to us. So when another person speaks to you, listen to what they're saying. It's not them. It's Hashem's giving you a message. And people that are used to looking and spiritualized like this, they don't dismiss, dismiss anything. Everything is important. Okay. So now this is uh, our divine vitality. This is the difference between a live person and a dead person, and it's something even more. Person that his heart is beating, he's breathing, but he's not connected to this divine wisdom, not connected to his soul. It's like uh, a spiritual vegetable. Heaven forbid. Person going through life and uh, uh, what's the spiritual vegetable sits in front of a television. Uh, wants to know what all the matters is it, who won the game between uh, Manchester United and City and then what's the next TV show coming up and it's spiritual death and such people are not happy they're always looking for looking for something new something outside entertainment outside when you look it's one of the main principles of Rebbe Nachman will teach us and we'll learn this in the second part of Lukte Moran in Torah 25 about the Hibudut about personal prayer it's something personal prayer a person that's not used to being with himself or herself, it's so difficult. Because what do I say about? I, I know people, 
I know people in the Hasidic world that are observant, born in the program, and they can't be for two minutes without themselves. I was teaching a Hasidic young man about Rebbe Nachman's way of, I would call Hippodudud, which is personal prayer, your own isolated personal prayer. The Almighty goes somewhere where nobody can bother you and you speak to him. And he says, what am I going to do for two minutes? For two, we couldn't believe it. So we, we do for an hour a day. And most of the time, we got to look at our watch. And, uh, you know, this is a, it's not enough time. So many times just to say an hour of gratitude. Okay. So what is the power of this? This is the, this is the divine light. When Hashem gave each of us a soul, he gave us the sechel. And this is sechel. This is the inherent wisdom that he creates in each creation. And don't ever forget it because this is a gift for life and it's a lesson for life. It's something we all have to remember all the time. Take it with us wherever we go. Why? Rabbi Nachman goes on and we continue. He says, Ki asechel hu all gadol, umeilo bechol drachav, kemoshe katu bekohelet chachmas adam ta'ir panav. And Rabbi Nachman continues and he says, this inherent wisdom is a great light. And it shines for the person in all his ways, everything you do, everywhere you go. That light, that divine wisdom inside you, the sechel, your intellect, that this is your, your life force. Your life force is going through your brain because the divine soul is housed in the brain. And wherever you go, shines through your eyes and it reflects on a person's face. And people on a high spiritual level, they can see whether a person has that light reflecting from the face or whether it's darkness. Okay, and this is what King Solomon, the wisest man that walked faith here, he says in chapter eight of Ecclesiastes, Chachmas Adam Teilpanov, that a person's wisdom makes his face shine. Now, what's the difference between Sechel and Chachma, between what I call the inherent wisdom and wisdom? The inherent wisdom is something that's inherent we're born with. The wisdom is what we use the inherent wisdom to attain. We take our our potential, the inherent wisdom, and we use it by learning Torah and by perfecting ourselves and by purifying ourselves and correcting our character and getting close to Hashem and by lots of prayer, lots of prayer and lots of prayer. Okay, Hashem, let me get close to you. Hashem, let me perfect my character. Hashem, let me have a love of you and a love of your Torah. Hashem, let me seek more and more and more spirituality. Hashem, show me my path in life. This is all things we need to pray for every single day. And if you can't, Go through the something we yeah, ask. So people never even occur to them to ask for that. Oh, Sham, give me my salary. Oh, Sham, give me my health. Sham, give me this. And you can see the, when people are connected, spoke to a very elderly man, for, for, for laser that's 74, to call somebody an elderly man. This guy's past 90. Okay. And I see he was walking up the stairs, and I was on the way to, to Mincha in the afternoon prayers. And uh, I went up to him and I hooked his arm and I said, come on, let me give you a little hand on stairs. He's walking a little bit slow today. He says, uh, yeah, laser, I feel a little bit tired today. <laughs> got 92 or 93. He's got a right to be tired and walking up two flights of stairs that from the ground floor to the to the synagogue. Okay, but he's doing it. And he said to me, he said, you know, my my feet hurt today. Okay, and he said it with a smile. I said, you know something? That's something. My knee hurt today too. But what I did, I thanked Hashem that all the rest of all the other joints in my body did not hurt. Okay, so the knee hurt. Okay, big deal. And this is looking for not the glass is half full, the glass is, is 90% full. 
And then he said to me something that I've been walking with all day long. And I think Hashem gave me this just to say it over tonight. And he says, Lisa, what's wrong with being in your 90s and being 80% healthy? That's divine wisdom. This guy's happy. How many old people, you know, whoa, 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 this hurts and this hurts and this hurts. He says, he's in my 90s and I'm 80% healthy, which means 80% is working good. Look at the outlook on this guy. And there's a particular individual who happens to be deep into Rabbi Nachman's teachings. This is what it does for us. Rabbi Nachman's teachers, they give us light because they learn, they teach us how to feel the light that's shining on us, which is the inherent wisdom that Rabbi Nachman's talking about. And now he says, that inherent wisdom, it's a tremendous light. So what does it mean it's a tremendous light? It lights up your life. This tremendous light, uh, we, we explain, it gets us out of darkness. So when does light really come and help us? Suppose we're having a difficult time in life. Suppose we're having an income challenge or a health challenge or a marital challenge, some type of challenge. As soon as we connect to the direct light, the divine light that's inherent within us, it's okay. I need to correct what, what what do I need to learn? I think what do we need to learn? Not complain, Hashem. Why did I get more money, Hashem? Why is my knee hurt, Hashem? <laughs> A lot of people. That doesn't have charm. Okay, a person requests more money. And a person requests better health, and a person requests a better marriage. It doesn't have charm. What's the listen? Somebody complain. Nobody listens to complainers. But somebody says, Hashem, 80% is great. <laughs> this old man he says 80% is great. Ooh. Hashem says she says 80% is great. Now I'll give you a better reason to thank me. I'll make it 85% is, is great. This is the way it is. That's that's a with request with charm. So they say to Hashem, what's Rebbe Nachman teaching us? That this inherent light, it illuminates our life because when we're in a situation of darkness and we see no way out, this is what illuminates us. Wait a second. What's going on here? Everything we learn, our first principle of Muna, that everything comes from Hashem. And Hashem is giving me that difficulty in life. And why is Hashem giving me that difficulty in life? Because Hashem wants me to either learn something or Hashem wants to uplift me to a higher level. Because I all the time ask him to get closer. But maybe I don't have the spiritual vessel. Every level we go, the divine light is stronger and stronger and stronger. So imagine that you're a 40-watt light bulb. Hashem's not doing you a favor by putting you in the 80-watt room because that it's going to be an overload. And the brass light bulb. So it doesn't want to break the light bulb. He loves you. Okay. So Hashem wants you to increase your capacity you know, to get more voltage. Okay. Said so Hashem makes you stronger and you increase your capacity. Then Hashem uplifts you. Now, as soon as we realize that a challenge in life is a gift from Hashem to bring us closer to him, then we're accomplishing what Rabbi Nachman tells us that by way of looking at the divine wisdom and everything, it brings us closer to Hashem. This is the whole ball game. That's it. That's what it's all about. And what happens? But you get illuminated. King Solomon says, a man's wisdom makes his face shine. Now, if we read this in Hebrew, this is a big, big lesson this week in Israel. It's Parsha Shlach, where the spies, they've been sinning the spies, and they made this mistake. King Solomon says, Chachmas Adam Ta'ir Panov. And why Chachmas Adam? And he says that uh, 
Now goes on to see, listen to what he says. Rabbi Nachman says, Zebchinat Yaakov, ki Yaakov This is an aspect of Jacob, because Jacob, he received the first, the first, the first right that breach. Jacob, so why do you read? He he not only there's a way in halacha that he should have been the firstborn anyway. Okay, but he earned the firstborn, he bought it from Esau. Okay, so he earned the birthright. And the fact that he earned the birthright, that's called a Hebrew reshit. That's the beginning. And on this, uh, on this, King David says in Psalms, he says in Psalm uh, 111, reshit chachma yirat Hashem, that the beginning of knowledge is the yira of Hashem. A yira and word in Hebrew is yud resh aleph hey. Yud resh aleph hey. Moses told the spies to go into the land and look at the fruit of the land. Fruit of the land is called Priya Aretz. Okay, so the spies went in and they saw this tremendous big 100-pound uh, grape cluster, and they took it on a stick, and that's the thing you, the symbol of the Israel tourist ministry. You see these two spies carrying a stick with the grapevine. Okay, that's from this week's Torah portion. Halev and uh, Yehoshua who did not participate in the evil counsel of the spies, they said, no, we're not, we're not caring. That's not what Moses meant. They went, when Moses said the fruit of the land, with the fruit of the land of Israel, land of Israel going across the land of Israel, the land of Emunah, the Emunah, the land where you fear Hashem, Yirah. If we take Priya Aretz, the outside letters, and drop down Priya, the outside letters, we get the word, the letters, Yud, Resh, Aleph, Hey, Yirah. That's the inside. So here again, like what Rabbi Nava told us in Tamid, it's a, a difficult to translate all these plays with Rabbi Nachman's doing with letters. But uh, this is a, a light inside the Hebrew. Some people say translation is like kissing a bride through her veil. It just misses a lot. Okay, but we try the best we can. This is the, the, the tools we have. But once again, Rabbi Nachman is showing us the same principle, that the inherent divine light that illuminates us, this is the inner light. This is the inner dimension. And once again, it's not the size four figure, the bikini figure and the six pack abs. What modern society holds the outside dimension. That even look at that. We're not allowed to look at that. We're not allowed to look at that. We look at a person's face. The person's face is illuminated with divine light. And you can see this because when a person has something that nothing the Gillette or Helena Rubinstein or Estee Lauder can give you, and then they're in their makeup or their perfume or whatever, they can't give you the beauty that comes to a person from the charisma of divine light that reflects from their eyes, reflects from their forehead. That's it. There's some people, sometimes you see a person that uh, person's not going to win any beauty contest, but I not be, according to modern society, he's not, or she is not particularly beautiful or handsome. But you see the person, you gravitate to them. And you feel love for them. What, what are you doing? And that's for their physicality. Because something they are conveying, this divine light is reflecting from them. And your soul feels it. Your soul feels comfort with this person. Your soul feels calm with the person. It's the opposite of being threatened. The opposite of being, uh, opposite of being nervous. Sometimes when you walk in a home, of people like that, people that live their lives according to the inherent wisdom. They live their lives according to connected to Hashem, divine light. 
And you walk out the house like that, and you just feel it calm. Feel calm. You can feel it tangibly. And this is what this is what Rabbi Nachman is telling us. And this is the beginning of knowledge. Reish is This is what Rabbi Nachman says. This is the beginning of knowledge. And this is what brings us close to Hashem. So he continues on and he tells us. This light is so strong. It's the aspect of a sun. You see how the sun can from 93 million miles away from Earth, how it illuminates everything and warmth and makes things grow. Okay. And the same thing that the inherent wisdom can do for every person who may Rabbi Nachman says that this inherent wisdom will illuminate every one of your ways, just like the sun, just like the sun shines outside. This will illuminate every one of your ways. And when a person is walking in darkness or is sad or is depressed, it means he's temporarily disconnected from this inner light. Because the moment, if you feel sad and you feel depressed, and you right away turn to Hashem. Hashem, help me connect to you. Help me connect to my soul. Help me connect to this inner light. And it right away, Hashem says, okay, my beloved son, my beloved daughter, you ask my help, I'm here. Hashem doesn't, Hashem is very humble, humble, humble. It's so humble. Hashem doesn't intrude. They said that it's the movie that we had with Sidney Poitier. Guess who's coming to dinner? Hashem doesn't come uninvited for dinner. We have to invite Hashem into our lives. And this is what Rebbe Nachman is telling us, that as soon as we do, then this inherent wisdom that Hashem gives us, it will illuminate our lives. And we'll see. And this is what King Solomon says in Proverbs chapter 4. He says, this is the path of the righteous. It's like the light of dawn. And it shines more and more into a perfect day, into a perfect day. Let's give you a little example. I mentioned King Solomon. What does it mean connecting? And we'll see connecting to the wisdom in everything. King Solomon says a lazy person. And he says, Lech he says this in Proverbs. He says, lazy guy, go look at an ant. Have you ever looked at the divine wisdom within an ant? What's the inherent wisdom with an ant? People say, what are I looking at an ant? Some people, they see an ant, they'll step on it. I know who would it? Take a look at an ant. If we observe an ant, and uh, for a moment, the bug experts look at an ant and see it, ants, they have so much bitochan, they have so much trust in Hashem. An ant lives one season, six months, six months is maximum. And it never makes it past six months. An ant is so strong and so industrious. Why does King Solomon tell the lazy person, go look at the ant? An ant, he schleps, he carries a grain of wheat or barley, whatever he can find, whatever is growing in the area, okay, or wherever's falling the seeds that, that are falling on after this, the grasses, the seed heads, they drop seeds at the ground. An ant can pull or push a seed that is twice its body weight. Twice the body weight. And, wow. and an ant, that's enough for that one seed. He can eat for all his life. It's enough for him. It's enough sustenance for him for all his life. It's like, don't body weight. It's that, imagine that uh, that one of us, that we weigh 160 pounds, we're pulling some big fruit that weighs 320 pounds. Okay? And, and, and it lasts, and we just take chunks off of it, chunks off of it, and it sustains us for a whole lifetime. 
But researchers looked into an anthill and they found that an ant in its lifetime gathers 160 seeds like that. 160 seeds. Okay, so mm-hmm. ant leads and so all an ant lead is one seed. So for the 160 seeds, that's enough for the ant to live for 80 years. One seed in six four months is lifetime six months. Then 80 years. Hey, wait a second. So people, if somebody interview an ant and a CNN reporter come to interview an ant and say, hey, Mr. Ant, what are you schlepping? What are you doing to work that hard? Okay, you should take your one seed and then go on the beach or go through do something, have a, have a good time. And ant said, you're only going to live six months. Ant says to the CNN reporter, who says I'm going to live six months? Sir, do you give life a death? Maybe the Almighty will decide that ants live a year, 10 years, 80 years. I got to be ready. I got to be ready. This ant, he's ready. he believes in Mashiach. He believes in Hashem. He wants to be ready. He wants to be sure his future. And that's why he's working, working. Not only that, an ant will not, the ants, they, all, all the Noahide laws, they hold by all the Noahide laws. An ant will not touch a grain that is touched by another ant. Ants have special DNA on their saliva, and it's a personal, their own personal chromosome. And as soon as they lick a grain, they lick a grain before they start pushing it or pulling it. And that has their identity. That's their ID card. So if another ant comes along, he right away smells it. Oh, this is not my seed. He goes and finds a seed that is a virgin seed that no ant has touched. Okay, so he goes and looks for his own special seed. So ants, they don't steal. They have trust in Hashem. They're industrious. And you can see this is this is the sechel. This is the inherent wisdom that Hashem gives in every ant. And King Solomon is sending, he doesn't say, say to the lazy guy, go look at uh, somebody in, in Vic Tanny's working out and lifting weights or, or go look at somebody on Wall Street that works day and night. He says, no, go look at an ant. Go look at an ant because the ant, is that's the inherent wisdom. That is the inherent wisdom and bo Hashem. Uh, we should all merit our own inherent wisdom. Okay, we're going to hold up right here. This is a place to stop. Next week, we're going to continue on. In the meanwhile, have a chance. As long as we're together, anybody wants to ask a question about anything they like, you're more than welcome. First of all, let me just make a little blessing and a glass of water. Okay, my greatest pleasure. Thank Hashem. Yes, don't be bashful about anything you want, because what happens is after lessons, after lessons, I get emails, and it's difficult for me to get emails. It's, it's related. Go ahead, unmute yourself, Moshe. There is a matter, okay, you don't have the chocolate ice cream before you have your basic protein and vitamins, okay? Um, if somebody wants to learn the wisdom in each creation before he sits down and learns the week's Torah portion or the, the, the two, two halachas a day or a gomor, I wouldn't suggest it. But what you can do, what you can do is you take even a book that is uh, it's just pure knowledge and so it's about nature. And I tell people when when you're in the bathroom, you're not allowed to learn Torah. So in your bathroom, you can read about the digestive system. You can read about how the eyes function, how the heart functions. And then you see, understand of a basic, basic knowledge of how things work. And wow, that, that's the way uh, a person can take advantage of time in the bathroom. All right. Uh, next question. Okay. Here's the thing. If I'm your coach and you want to be a marathon runner, 
And up till now, you've been a couch potato. We're going to walk around the block first week. Okay. And after three weeks, then we're going to trot around the block. And we're going to go and this and that. The same thing that we have to develop the muscles of the soul. Uh, nobody can come out cold and just start. You have to be used to it. You have to feel it. Okay. I would say start whatever you can. Start whatever you can. Um, there is an amazing, it depends on desire. The story I, I wrote about in language of Amuna and something I witnessed firsthand from a young lady in South Dakota. Uh, you remember the story, David Dome, you know, from okay, young lady in South Dakota. And, uh, so she was even before she was in Ojai, you know, she heard she had, uh, she had one of the books I wrote and she had the, a book that her pastor wrote and she said that something's not right here. Okay, so she went out and out in South Dakota, they've got these cornfields and wheat fields that are miles and miles and miles long. They're flat, flat on the prairie. And she was talking to the Almighty, says that somebody's somebody's not telling the truth. I don't know it's my minister or this rabbi in Israel. Something is not right here. And she says, I have no power. She says, uh, Almighty God, if if you're there, you've got to illuminate my eyes. You've got to show me that. That what's right? What's right? And she said, "I need a sign." No, I'm not, if you're there, you can give me a sign. I'm asking you to split the Red Sea, but they here it's a great cornfield. She asked for a whole hour. The time went by, and she had tears in her eyes. All of a sudden, they have this animal. You could Google "star spangled gopher." Okay, "star spangled gopher." All right, it's a little gopher. It grows out in the prairie. And North Dakota, South Dakota, and Manitoba, it's a little brown, cute little brown gopher. And it's got these white stripes and these little dots between the stripes look like an American flag. That's why it's called a star-spangled gopher. All right. So, and they're very shy. So one of these things, all of a sudden, after she's talking to the chef for an hour, he pops out of a hole about three feet in front of her, stands on his own two legs and smiles. Have you ever seen a gopher smile? I just, well, she asked. Almighty for a sign, and here he says this gopher, and she right away, right away, she just broke out crying, and just she she, she cried for another whole hour. Then talked to Almighty for another whole hour, and uh, then she took her pastor's book and put it in a bonfire, and she came up to full fledged no hide, really flying. This is here's the the thing, Cheyenne. When you ask the Almighty for help. You're his beloved daughter. He's only got one Cheyenne in the world. That's you. Okay. And it's got nothing to do with uh, anything else called Cheyenne, not Cheyenne, Wyoming, or not the Cheyenne Indians. Cheyenne in California. Okay. That's a good, gorgeous name. Anyway, it, when you ask him, when you ask him, you'll, you'll see this. You'll see this. And uh, the Almighty is willing. Sometimes we have dry days and he will do. Sometimes we have dry days. You feel, you just don't feel, it's just like a, a runner sometimes has, has, a, has got a lackluster performance or somebody, a weightlifter goes in the, in the weight room, but just feels heavy and feels lackluster. Okay. The same thing with Ibudud. In other words, it's, uh, we say in Hebrew, local yom purim. Not every day is purim. Not every day is a festival. All right. But for the, sometimes when we're having a rough time and the almighty, Gives uh, you can you just know it's him. You just know it's him. It can't be anyone else. And that is such a supercharge for your faith, for your Muna. It's just so great. So it's like a person, go, go tell, you know, marathon runner, tell a couch potato about the exhilaration of running a marathon. 
Now that marathon runner feels every muscle in, in, in his leg, feels everything. It takes a, a ritual, takes him 10 minutes to tie his shoes. And a couch potato, he doesn't know anything but his, his potato chips and his Coke, you know, sitting with his remote control thing. Like the same thing. When people are spiritually connected, they're like spiritual athletes. So they're connected with their soul. And that's what we're talking about, like to be connected with your own divine light. And that is going to illuminate you. Okay. God bless you. And it's a privilege to have you with us. Next question. Shy, how you doing? I got a couple. Well, so I've been dealing. I got into an accident a while ago and I've been dealing with some stuff, health issues. And um, how long ago? I'm having uh, about four months ago, but I just found out some new information today and I'm, I'm having a really hard time um, just connecting. Um, I, you know, I try to get on classes, but just I'm having a really hard time. And I was wondering if you had any advice or my okay, me. Here's the thing. That's uh, we connect. Well, I said connect. Okay. Hashem, just talk to Hashem and say, what's the lesson I need to learn here? Because you're my beloved father in heaven, all right? And you put me through this boot camp. You put me through this hell week. Okay, now you know a U.S. SEAL doesn't know, he doesn't need for anybody to explain to him why he's going to hell week. Okay, because hell week, they got to graduate that to be a U.S. SEAL. And it's for his own good. All right, so the same thing, you are one of Hashem's commandos. So for you to get racked up like that, that means that you're commando. That means Hashem has a message for you. Ask him for it, okay? And you got my blessing, my brother, that Hashem will illuminate your heart. And next time I see him, you have a big smile on your face, all right? But that notwithstanding, you got my blessings for your great health and full recovery, okay? So you talk to the Almighty about that. I find myself complaining more than anything. No, no, we said, that's what we said. I'm having complaining, a- that's got no charm. No, no. You don't like to hear people complaining to you. All right, thank Okay, don't look at the parts of your body that don't work. I see your eyes work, your heart works, your lungs work, your ears work. You can hear me. All right, thank Hashem for all the systems that are okay. And Hashem says, my son, Shai, you thank me for the stuff that's okay. I know you got issues, but now I'm going to give you more reasons to thank me. Okay, you watch it. It's a great upward dynamic that really works. Okay, take care of my brother and stay care. Everybody should have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. We look forward to seeing you next week. Uh, Rabbi Volby, want to say uh, Shabbat Shalom to everyone. Good Shabbos, good Shabbos. Thank you all very, very much. And thank you, Rabbi Brody, so much. This is incredible. God bless you. All the best. Thank you, everybody.